Welcome to the System Hub Podcast. Hola. Konnichiwa. Guten Tag. Where we interview world-class experts. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. I was fanatical in my 20s. If you could find a way to produce a business that works without you, your life would change like that. Extracting, organizing, and optimizing their best systems and processes for rapid business growth. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome back to the Business Processes Simplified podcast. I am normally your host, David Jennings. I am not your host today. I am the guest again. We're up to uh, episode number two in this little mini series about systemology. And I'll hand over to Charlie and let you drive from here. Thank you so much for joining me on my temporary podcast at the moment, Dave. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you as a guest on part two of this series. How are you doing? Good, good. And the pleasure is all mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a heap of fun on the first episode where we went really into Define. And if you haven't checked that out already, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that first one. We talk all about Defining System, which which I thought was a lot of fun to hear the stories behind the book that is coming out. In this part though, Dave, we're going to be going deep into Integrate. And I, I have a funny feeling there's going to be a lot of laughs throughout these because I'm even reminiscing on some of the stories of my own experience and I can only imagine what you've seen. But before we get into that, I just want to give everyone a reminder, the book will be out on the 18th of August. So wherever you are on the 18th of August or uh, past it, I would encourage you to get a copy of it. It's coming out on Audible, it's coming out on Kindle and it's coming out on hard copy, available everywhere. Amazon, I presume, will be the uh, number one culprit, but we'll get it from there. So Dave, I really want to open this one up in talking and defining the topic here on integrate. So when you think about integrating systems and how it's presented in the book, tell us what it is. The whole idea of the integrate stage is particularly focused to break the myth or bust the myth, myth that your team won't follow the systems that you have in place, even if you create them. And I heard that all the time and still do hear it where, look, there's no point in me creating systems because my team has a way of doing things and they'll just tell me, oh, well, why do I have to change? I've always done it this way. And it's that level of resistance that they believe will exist. Whether that's true or not uh, remains to be seen. And, and I'm going to suggest when people go through the book that they actually test these assumptions because they've got a lot of assumptions around systemization that they may have just reached those conclusions very quickly, very prematurely, and without any proper follow through. And oftentimes when you introduce change to a business or any organization, there will be some like a teething period, you will get some level of resistance. You have to push through that resistance and then that's where you get the biggest reward. So this is actually of all of the chapters in the book and all of the stages, I actually think it's probably the least well-addressed area of business systems. So I, I when I think about business, I, I often talk about the idea that business systems is one of the least addressed parts of business, particularly for small business. Like no one really talks about the systems and processes for so small business to really make a small business hum. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Like oftentimes the business owner just doesn't get excited by the idea. Uh, and I'm trying to bring some of that excitement back. But within that topic of business systems, if you almost imagine like a segment of that is now the 
integration piece. It's the the piece around getting your team to actually follow them. That's the least least addressed area of the least addressed area. So this is the bit I, I really want to make a big mark on in the category for how do you get your team to follow systems? It's one thing to have it documented. It's another thing to have the right tools in place, but how do you actually get buy-in? Because without buy-in, it doesn't matter you know, what you've got in place or how great your tools are because it won't matter anyway because your team's not following them. Oh, completely. And I'm just laughing. I wonder if this is like, I always laugh in these conversations because I think of when I did this. You know, it's like if I was on a dating podcast, I'd think about, you know, my dating experiences. But nonetheless, I think I made integration a bigger deal than it needed to be. I think I'd built up preconceptions and probably control freak mentality that my team wouldn't follow it. And it was really surprising how they actually did. Like it was very interesting to see how it all kind of rolled out. Have you ever come across a situation when it's come to integration where the team that was in place didn't integrate and you've actually had to change people. Because I think this is probably something from my own experience where I noticed that certain people were great in the beginning of the business, but then they actually became huge friction points when we wanted to become more systemized and were actually better off being replaced. So I wonder if you'd ever seen that before. Seen it many times before. Um, And you actually touched on a couple of things, firstly around that idea that, the business owner uh, is oftentimes wired a certain way. The entrepreneur brain, their brain works differently than a, a lot of other employees and team members and things like that. So the business owner can't help but see the world through their eyes and they're imagining wh- how would I respond if I was in that person's shoes or they don't even they try and think that, but they're they're actually still looking through it through their vantage point, which would be, oh, this is how I would respond if someone tried to introduce a system or a process. And and they are often just projecting themselves onto the team member thinking, oh, look, I am rubbish (laughs) at following systems and processes. And for those uh, who are um, not listening, uh, not watching the video here, Charlie's raising his hand. I'm just laughing. I've realized that I was resistant to the change that I wanted to happen. (laughs) Yes. So there's a level of this uh, sabotage that goes on because the business owner thinks, well, because... I would be follow horrible at following systems and processes. Uh, that means the rest of my staff would be as well. And, and there is a real difference in mentality from a business owner to a staff member to even a manager. For, for example, the, the business owner is often a visionary thinker. They see problems out there in the world they want to solve that problem. They start a business to solve that problem. And then to get it off the ground, there's a thousand things that they should be doing. There's never enough time in the day when you're in startup mode. So you have to firefight. You have to go for whatever is the most urgent issue that's front and center for you right now. And you just jump from one thing to the next. And that's okay. That's part of the business. You go through that process But then there has to be a point. Most business owners get stuck there and all of their 
skills and behaviors get reinforced because they're they're acting a certain way and it's helped the business grow to a certain point and now they think oh this is the way that I should be operating and this is how you build a great business but what they've effectively done is built this machine that is so heavily dependent on them everything bottlenecks through them and obviously their capacity is going to tap out they'll hit a, a ceiling and to to grow through to that next level the thing you need to focus on is actually increasing capacity of the business once you get to a certain level then to grow through you need to be able to take on more work so that you can crank up your marketing and your sales and things like that so if that's the way that the business owner is wired and they're oftentimes just you know in in reaction mode they think that their staff would be in a similar position but the truth of the matter is when you start to hire a players they really shine and underneath a system's culture they thrive because it gives them an opportunity to demonstrate how great they are and systems tells them here's how to excel at your role i'm going to tell you up front here's you know the things that you need to do here's the outcome that i'm looking for here's how to do it uh, and that's great for them because now they can deliver to the standard that you're after so systems and processes as long as you're p- including as part of your recruitment criteria and and you look for that characteristic early following systems and processes is something you want to bake into your organization now the second part to your question addressed this idea of well what happens then if you realize now that you want to build a systemized culture but you're already quite far down the path. You've started to build team. And now what we're actually talking about is changing company culture, which is which is challenging because you've got people who are set on doing things a certain way. Maybe they've created some level of job security for themselves by having a black box around them that no one really knows what they're doing. And when we shine the light of systems onto what it is that they're doing, that can make them feel uncomfortable or worried that you're doing this so that they can be replaced. Now, that typically happens with your existing staff. So there will be a period that you have to go through to readjust the team, realign and change the the culture. Some people, a lot of people, depending on how you introduce it, will go along with that journey and understand that change is required. But there will be some people that just won't change. I talk about a great story in the book about that with with my brother, and I I won't spoil it for those who end up uh, reading the Systemology book, but my dad had created a thing for for he, my brother and I, uh, a system to gamify our life. And at the conclusion of that story, it makes me realise that it's okay if someone wants to follow a system or a process it's okay if someone doesn't want to follow a system or a process. Like there's no point in getting unhappy about it, no point in getting angry about it. It just is what it is. If you have decided that you want to build a systems-centered business though, and the person who won't follow process, all that they've done is identify themselves as someone who isn't the right fit for the way that you've decided to build your business. And that's okay. You know, shake hands and send them on their way and, um, you know, I, I probably 
unless you jump in, I'm just going to keep talking. So I'm I, I like this, but I've got, I've got a question here, though. I'm really curious about this. In, in your own approach, and this is something I've, I've really wondered, I feel like when I first introduced systems, I went way too hard, way too quick. I'm just like from, you know, Monday to Tuesday, let's call it. I was like, Monday, no systems. Tuesday, everything systems. Like we are a systems business from here and we're putting a line in, in the sand. And, and my thinking behind that was that we'll probably break some stuff, but we'll we'll work through that and come back. Um, have you considered the idea that a way to integrate or have you seen this with your own experience where this is something that can be gradually done to re- reduce friction? So maybe just introducing, hey, maybe we're just going to do the delivery systems in month one. And let's just get tight on that. And then next time we're going to work on lead systems or sales systems. Like, have you ever seen a gradual approach to integration and do you recommend that? Or are you Charlie lying in the sand, let's break stuff? Um, It depends on the size of the organization, depends on how committed you are to follow through because the team is probably familiar with Charlie coming up with a great idea and bringing it to the team and saying, this is the way that we're doing things now. And being a a business owner, you probably get a lot of ideas. Now, some people not as proficient as you in a similar situation, they get lots of ideas, but they have poor follow through. So the team gets this shell shock of new idea. And then they only follow through for, you know, a month and then it's on to the next idea and that then trains the team to resist that change just thinking oh yeah look the boss is going to forget about this in one month anyway let's just grit our teeth get to the other side because you're probably more of the exception where you you've you've stuck with it and then you ran it all the way through a lot of business owners don't do that um i i actually suggest the gradual approach for a few reasons Generally speaking, in most situations, it works most consistently. Like you can do the suggestion that you've done, but you can break a lot of things that way. And also you've got to... Yes, you can. (laughs) You've got to have the very strong resolve to stick and follow through the whole, whole way. So the when I think about building a system, I want something that works in the majority of cases and a gradual approach tends to work best in most cases and it's for a few reasons people tend to support things that they help to create so enrolling the team early in the process helping getting them to help define the critical client flow identifying your department heads getting their help to identify the 20% of the systems that really drive that department getting them to own it all of these types of actions increases the likelihood that they'll make the jump. And it's almost like a, I always, I like to think of a lot of things in terms of a funnel. And, you know, at at the top, we kind of tip things in at the top and it's easiest and widest and the least filtered. The further we get down this funnel, the more filtered it gets. So, It's almost like, you know, how do you boil a frog or cook a frog? You put them in the cold water and then you slowly turn the temperature up and then the frog doesn't jump out. Whereas if you throw the frog straight into the hot water, they're going to jump straight out. And it's the same with any form of change. You want to just start a little bit and get them deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And then 
it's harder for them to resist the change because the change has been gradual and they've been complicit all the way through. Most people will go through that way. You will find some people who just aren't the right fit. And you're right, some people that might have helped you grow your business to one level and have been fantastic in, you know, maybe the first two stages of business systemization, you know, my four stages of business systemization. I talk about that in the in the book. But but they might help you get through those first stages, but then they really struggle in the later stages. Particularly when you get to the final stage, which is the saleable stage, you're you're really in pursuit of perfection then. You want to be an industry leader. You want a way of doing things to to reach that caliber, you are going to need staff that care, staff that want to put all in and go all in. And that's why the recruitment piece is so so important and finding the right staff. So yeah, as you go through this process, some people may self-select out. That's the other thing. If you head in a direction and then people get uncomfortable, they might opt out. That's the ideal scenario, but you might also find and it's usually the smaller percentage, but you might come across some staff that just are resistant to change. They're bad for the culture of the company. They're sabotaging other team members. They're consciously or subconsciously making it okay for other team members to underperform because they're underperforming. And even your A players now look at this, you know, D player and go, you know, well, the D player is getting paid as much as I am and they're doing half a half-assed job. Why am I trying so hard? And that's, I mean, this is a whole another discussion in itself around uh, recruiting strong teams. It's so interesting. I never thought of it that way before, but really integration could be the step of, we'll call it natural selection within your team. And you even mentioned this a little bit earlier. I noticed really strongly in my agency at the time, when we went more system-based, I had some people I thought were ad- average and when given a systems environment that was clearer for how they can win, they shined. They really gamified their own working experience and helped them a lot. But I did certainly, and I will acknowledge this, it didn't go, as you may have guessed, by my Monday-Tuesday transition. Like we certainly did meet that friction. But at the other time, I do very much wonder if we didn't go systemized, if we let go of some people in the journey, would we have kept people that weren't as strong if we didn't have the systems in place. Like it it kind of feels, and a way I'll come back to this is that this was just the cause that caused the effect that would have happened anyway. Like it's not like this person would have hung around and been a great performer long-term anyway. This is just like the environment that made them not the right fit and highlighted that they weren't the right fit. Yes, I think I I remember one particular story. I remember doing some work with Mike Rhodes. He runs a company called Web Savvy, a mutual friend of of the both of ours. And I actually talk about him in the book, um, in the first chapter. Uh, But I, I have quite a lot of case studies I mentioned last time that ended up being on the cutting room floor. And one with Mike was another one. And I thought, oh, look, I've mentioned him early in the book. I won't mention another story. But he, one of his staff members, Trevor, uh, who was a little bit resistant to this idea of systemization because he heads up, uh, Mike runs a, a digital agency called Web Savvy. It's one of Australia's leading digital agencies. They focus primarily in Google AdWords, but also Facebook marketing. And Trevor headed up 
the Facebook marketing division. And Mike saw this as a potential risk that there's that key person dependency. Trevor had all of the IP and the knowledge around Facebook. So if, if he you know, couldn't come to work or something happened, they would be in trouble. So Mike said, right, I want you to work with Dave at Systemology and I want to extract your brain and the way that you approach things so that we can get it down into some systems and processes that you can use to train up other team members. Now, Trevor at the time was quite resistant. He was extremely busy at the best of times and didn't really see the benefit of systemizing the role uh, to the point where he kind of delayed and stalled it out for quite some time. When it finally started to actually get going, and it took us about a three-month process, and you know we worked together pretty much every week, and we just captured little pieces of what he was doing and did some documentation. And then the finished product was such that he then hired three other assistants underneath him and put him through that training, which he didn't need to put the staff member like he didn't have to handhold them through everything. He said, just watch all this, learn all of these systems. And then once you've gone through all of that, then list out your questions and let's make some time and see where you're up to. And he found by putting them through that training, he he was able to shortcut the investment in, in time required to get the team member right up to the standard that they needed to be. And um, so he, he became from a skeptic to then being the biggest advocate for us inside Web Savvy around systemization and systemizing parts of the business because he saw firsthand the impact that it had. And he, he saw it, he commented in one of the case studies, it's on the website, he said, not only was it beneficial for those new team members, but he goes, I didn't realize the benefit that I would get from it personally. Just the process of going through the extraction process got him to rethink the way that he was doing things and how it was structured and why he was doing things a certain way. And that was tremendously insightful for him. So it was kind of like he built out this library of training and systems that that helped everybody in the Facebook team. So it's stories like that that I hear Oftentimes, it just has to do with the positioning when it comes to introducing systems. And even people who are resistant, uh, if their heart's in the right place and they're looking for the business to succeed, then they will at some point buy into the idea of systems because systems improves business. Like that, That's not even a, a discussion point. It, it just is. And when the team member sees that and if they're genuinely there to help, you, you'll get them to buy in. I often make a joke when we hire people at Valamedia that our biggest challenge is actually undoing the bad behaviours that people have picked up from previous businesses. So it's like, you know, all that lack of management, lack of systems, organisation, like what they've been able to get away with at a previous company comes back to haunt us. And what I find fascinating here is like systems falls into this category where if most people that have worked within a small business haven't had systems before. So they're not really experienced in the benefits. It's like not knowing how good ice cream tastes. So like, you know, you don't really want it. So then the other side of it is once you're converted and have that type of buying experience, you have that taste of the ice cream. It's funny how those people can end up being the ones going, have you tried ice cream? Why, why do we not have more ice cream here? What about this guy? Has he got some ice cream? Like, <laughs> it's, really, it's really fascinating how that affects from people. I've experienced similar things within myself that 
they get that systems bug once they get a taste of it. How common is that for the team to maybe be resistant and then be the advocates? It does happen. And, and now with everything that's going on in the world with COVID right now, we're actually finding now is the best time to introduce systems because the resistance is the lowest it's ever been to any form of change. And there's a real compression of time, something that might have taken you five years to do, you can now do in a three-month span because people are so much more accepting of it. So a lot of your team members will buy in over a period of time because it's you're, you're keep on turning up the temperature for that pot and that water is slowly, slowly boiling and but but with covid you're able to boil the water much quicker without them jumping out and i don't know if this has been a fantastic metaphor or not because it sounds like you're cooking your staff but but it's more the idea of, of the way that you can bring an idea into reality and the other thing that i've i've learned as well and, and it's funny when I look back, I didn't put this in the book because it's actually quite hard to, to articulate written down and I didn't want it to be misinterpreted. So um, I can talk about it here because we can probably explore it in a little bit more detail. I suppose the embarrassing truth about systems and and even me is as much as I might look like a systemized person from the outside, I don't love the idea of writing the systems myself. Uh, you know, I, I am a visionary. I'm great at creating. I'm not the best person for that job. And I operate most of my business career. I've operated when we've been in startup mode. So I've been putting out fires, moving quickly, doing what I need to do, cobbling things together. And when we've got a process for the way that, you know, we might want to channel work and get it into Asana, for me, I often look for shortcuts. That's what a business owner will do. Um, and sometimes I I don't follow the rules. And Melissa always said, Melissa, you'll learn about when you read the book. She's was my right-hand lady at Melbourne SEO Services. Uh, she had said, Dave, if a staff member works for you first, you break them for the rest of the team. You, they won't now be able to work in Melbourne SEO services because you've just taught them a bunch of bad habits of, here, Dave's just assigned something in Slack. Hey, do this in email. Hey, it's all over the shop everywhere. Drop whatever you're doing. I've got something for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it was. it's Interesting when I recognize that, and that's okay, but when you're growing a team, that's not okay. Maybe when I'm on my own and for my EA, so I've got my executive assistant, Emma, and we work together, and my working style with her is actually quite different than the rest of the team because, yeah, it's it's much more, you know, we're working very closely together on that one. But when uh, I, I want to give something to the team, I have to follow the rules. And that's where Melissa, you know, again, I'll just keep pointing back to the book because this is all about the book. I talk about in the book that the day that Melissa called me out in front of the whole team and said, do not respond to David's urgent requests. Um, and you'll, you'll learn about that in the Integrate chapter, why she did that, how she responded and how she was correct and how me as the business owner was not above the law. 
you know, she'd, she'd put down a framework for the way that the team operated. You know, when I'm working with my EA, I can do whatever I like because, you know, I'm outside of the system. But when I'm in the system, I've got to follow the rules of the system. Otherwise, I'll get ejected. Does this mean that the business owner themselves might actually be the biggest barrier to integration? They might be the one that actually has the good work they're trying to achieve here come undone by doing that type of approach? A hundred percent. Like I actually think the the biggest bottleneck in business growing through to the next level is always the individual. Like it's that, that's why personal development is so key for business owners to continually stretch yourself. Otherwise you reach that ceiling and you just get stuck there. And I mean, I was stuck there in the digital agency for 10 years moving sideways because I didn't break through that ceiling. I kind of just got stuck in agency life. And and it wasn't until we had some of those significant changes that then I realized, no, I need to do this differently. And then when I stepped out and then I had Melissa run the business, that completely changed my view on business. I thought, why did I think that I was so special that I was doing something that only Dave could do? Like that you know, my ego must have been epic to think that, you know, I was bringing some special kind of magic to that day to day. I do have a special kind of magic that I can bring, but it's not in doing the same thing day in and day out, wax on, wax off. That's, that's not my uh, unique ability. I much love the saying, what got you to here won't get you to there. And it's probably that we'll call it the ego, but that idea that you have something special to offer was probably one of the things that was fundamental in getting the business off the ground because you projected that confidence of something special to other people and, you know, you got in there and got it done with that intention, but it is absolutely a holding off point later on down the road. Now, I wanted to touch on something else. I'm going to kind of shift back to an earlier part here because I think this is interesting in the idea that we might be our biggest barrier in integration. For making the integration go well, Have you got any set ideas on strategy on, I suppose, accountability to it? Like, do you kind of think of it and go, okay, if we're integrating our systems, we need to have a monthly meeting to review and go over how we've been doing? Or do you make an effort to go, if you see something out of place, you've got to pull it up right on the spot there? Like, is there any tips or ideas you've got to share on, I suppose, accountability to integration? There's, to make this work, there are actually a few key pieces that all click together. And if you're missing a piece, it just doesn't work. So when someone first thinks about this idea of systemizing a business, oftentimes they gravitate towards a tool or a piece of software. And they think that when I get this piece of software, my business is going to be magically systemized. I'm going to have accountability. I'm going to have everything documented and we're going to be running this Swiss watch, you know, the the business that runs with precision of a Swiss watch. Uh, And then what they realize is just the software isn't going to solve their problem. So to get the accountability, the pieces that you need to click together, there are firstly three main ones. Firstly, it's systems certainty. That's the first piece. You need to make sure that you have a clear way of doing things. So that involves things like your critical client flow, having your key systems and processes documented. And so you have a way of doing things that gives you certainty on the way something is done. So that's the first piece. 
The next piece you need to have is performance, systems performance. That has to do with the tools and more importantly, it's it's the way that your team does their day-to-day. Like what where are things stored? How easy is the flow between things? How are you assigning who is doing what by when? In the book, I talk about the two key functions. You've got a project management tool and then you've got a systems documentation management tool. But specifically to accountability, a big part of this is the performance piece. You need to think about those KPIs. You need to think about how you you track accountability. I see this quite a lot. People will document a system or a process and they'll think, great, now that I've got all the systems and processes in place, uh, I don't have to think about it. I've assigned it to the right person. But you you do need a way that someone signs off and checks and marks something as done and the system linked at the level at which that task is assigned. So you've got very clear, this is what you are agreeing that you have completed to an appropriate standard. And then the final piece we, we talked about a little bit earlier is buying. But you get the three of those together and then there are little you know, there's the certainty, performance and buy-in. You get those three together and that's what gives you accountability and delivers complete business reliability. That's that's what we call it when you get the, the three together. And then there are little uh, tricks that you learn along the way to increase the accountability. And, you know, it, it comes down to things like one of the easiest ways is actually to spot it early on in the recruitment process. If you build systems thinking and, and your systems approach into the way that you're recruiting and you find someone up front who has a level of accountability, who has a level of commitment to your systems thinking and you find that early, like you might as well find it out when you're hiring them, not when you're six years down the track. Absolutely on that one. So as as the rain starts to, to come down in the background now, you might hear that sort of uh, pitter-patter away. The, the idea though of... of accountability i think yeah there's a few pieces you you need to get in place and having team members bought into the idea and when you ultimately reach like the holy grail of all of this when you know that you've got accountability is when the team says a few magic words and those magic words are this is how we do things here when you get your team to say that, that's when you know you've, you've hit it. Dave, if I could drop this mic, I would. It's on a boom arm, so it can't be dropped. But I feel like that's the T-shirt. Yes. I feel like that is the T-shirt slogan. This is how <laughs> we do things here. Oh. I, I tell you what, I'm going to go through our Slack now and see if it's ever come up. But I, I think that is the magic words on this episode and what you're looking for from your integrate. Now, listeners... The book will be out on the 18th of August. I've mentioned this before. In this episode, we've spoken more deeply into the integrate section from here. Dave, I want to say a big thank you for, I guess, letting me host your show and then also being a guest on your own show from here. Is there any final thoughts or things you would like to go with? Otherwise, I'm really comfortable with the sign-off here of this is how we do things here. They were my words, so I'm almost hesitant to say anything <laughs> else. Like that. that is where you're looking to achieve. I, th- I think the biggest other thing that I just wanted to add is just the commitment that you need to have to make this happen. If you want 
a systemized business. If you want to have a systems-centered business that delivers complete business reliability, you have to lean into this. You have to commit. This won't happen by accident. You have to say, this is what I want. You want to go out, get yourself a copy of Systemology. You buy one for every single staff member. You read this and you say, I need your help to build a business that runs on the Systemology framework. And that's, and then you need to commit to it and follow all the way through. That, that really is the only way. This is not a one and done. This is not, oh, we systemized last year and we've got all the processes in place. This is a change in the culture for the way that your business works and the approach that you have. It's a systems-centered business. So that's, I probably just want to underscore that. I know you're listening to this episode, so you're probably already bought into the idea. But once you start the systemology book and you crack chapter one, if you, once you've read past that first chapter, you are making a contract with yourself to follow through. That Otherwise, you know, there's no point in even picking up the book or reading all the way through. Make the commitment when you read that chapter one to give it your 100% and to follow all the way through. Do that and I guarantee you'll get the result you're looking for. Wise words. And once again, this is how we do things here. (laughs) I love that so much, Dave. Thank you for having me uh, on my podcast, Charlie. Uh, you, yeah, you're a fantastic uh, host. You're able to draw things out that I just I haven't shared in this particular format. So I'm, I'm glad you've suggested we do this, and I know a lot of people are going to get a lot of value from it. Awesome. Well, this is part two of our series. As I said, if you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to it. Part three will be coming soon. Book is out on the 18th of August. Systemology will be available everywhere audio, Kindle, and hardcover.